I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walt. Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. We've just come off of chapter 2 where Solomon looked at himself and looked at everything he had done and concluded it was all vanity and vexation of spirit. Then he talks about the fact that one event happens to him as a wise man and then the foolish man. And he compares those things. He says he hated life because of the work that is wrought under the S-U-N, the sun, is like grasping the wind uh, without God, is vanity and vexation of spirit. Yea, I hated all my labor which I had taken under the sun because I should leave it unto the man that should be after me. And who knoweth whether he'll be a wise man or a fool? Solomon says, I don't even know what kind of person is going to succeed me. Now, this leads him to in his great wisdom to make a statement that is incredible in chapter 3 verse number 1 to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven the word season has to do with an appointed time there is an appointment of seasons there are cycles of seasons there are appointments to them and then there is a time to every purpose and that's under heaven, not under the sun, but under heaven. There's a time to every purpose. So we see here a very defining statement, a powerful statement that Solomon makes that life has a variety of experiences and a variety of activities and a variety of things that occur in life in their appointed times and they fulfill the very time purpose under heaven to everything there is a season there is a time for every purpose for every single purpose under heaven every single matter there is under heaven secondly there is an emphasis of the variety of things that God puts in our lives and they are ordered by him. Now, when we look at these things that are appointed, you will find a set of couplets. You will find in verse number two, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to loose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. 
a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. When we look at this, uh, this is using something that is a Hebrew type thing that uses sevens. Okay, he's using a literary device that is known in the Hebrew as a merism, which is using two opposites, and we're talking polar opposites, the very opposite ends. Now, the number seven symbolizes completion, and there are 14 pairs of opposites. Again, seven, two times seven is 14. That a lot of people suggest, and a lot of scholars suggest, showing the perfection of in between and the completeness. So what that, that merism says is, it's not just the time to be born and the time to die, but everything in between. It's the polar ends and the perfection or the completion within it. So between the time of birth and the time of death, there is a season. There is an appointed time, by the way, Let's just deal with the first one and remind ourselves that the Bible makes it very clear that it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. There is an appointment. Death is an appointment. Now, there was a due date that was given to my mom, but I came on the date and the time that God had set. There was my time to be born. It is recorded at that time to be born. Our firstborn child, the doctor first said June the 11th, then they said June the 13th, he came on June the 12th, God's appointed time. And there is a time for everything under the season. What we see here in these first 10 verses, or first eight verses, is there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything, and all things in between. When we look at these things in between, we see the events and all the activities of life. There is a time to be born and a time to die. Here's my thought, as I have said uh, on a couple of occasions. Since death is an appointment, and we do not know that appointment date any more than we knew our birth date, it's very, very, very strange to worry about when that date would be because if you were worrying today about a date that's 10 years out you're going to spend 10 years of unproductive life if it's only a few hours out you're still going to spend it productively if you don't meditate on it to the point of oh my goodness i might die i might die you'll you'll put yourself into a health situation that will rob you of any kind of activity between your birth date and your death date. You know, someone said that the greatest thing that can be said of a thing that's put on a tombstone which says born, died, and it'll say born, dash, died, is what you did with the dash in between the birth and death. What did you accomplish and do? First of all, for me, it, it started at age of 14 when I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I did a lot of things before then. Uh, I was in school, of course, and I was in school functions and things. I was in a good family. I lived a family life. We had our fun times, our bad times, our up times, our down times. 
But when life really began for me was when I got saved, the time that I was born again. And then I really began to live. And all the things that I regret are the things that I had not done for Christ. I don't regret a thing that I've done for Jesus Christ. I don't regret anything between the time that I have been born again to this point that I have done correctly and in his name and with his blessing and with his uh, benefits. I love that. But the things that I've forgotten to do or should have done that didn't do, the things that I said I wouldn't do, or maybe times where I just missed what he was trying to say, man, I hate those times. I despise those times. The activities of life cause us to have a lot of problems. There is an appointment, and we must remind ourselves that there is an appointment. The next one says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. The yearly cycle, we have a planting cycle. We have a time of when we harvest the cycle. This cycle has everything in between of all those things that we sow and reap. The yearly cycle that is on God's schedule in the various places of the world. Some places cannot grow things that others can. And the, the just where it's at is perfect for that cycle. The wheat where it grows, the, the fruit where it grows, the vegetables where it grows. All of those things, those things that are meant to be, are in that cycle. There's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. Now, that's interesting because you say, why do you mean kill? Well, the Bible does say that there are things that we need to deal with. Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. Capital punishment is in the Bible. Now, people will say that capital punishment is not a deterrent to crime. Well, let's test that theory. A serial killer that kills, and there was one in particular that my mind goes to that killed 99 women. If he'd have been tried and found guilty on the first one or two, and he was, and then sentenced to death and died, then there would be 97 to 98 women still alive today because of capital punishment. It is a deterrent to crime. It deters that person from any more crime. There is a time when it's executing justice and killing is okay, when a person deliberately commits murder or anything that is set at capital offense. But there's also a time for uh, healing the human body. There is time that we must heal. And by the way, God has given our body an amazing ability to heal itself. It's amazing how you can get a cut, a paper cut. Uh, you can skin your knee and uh, you clean it up and you keep it uninfected and it just repairs itself. The skin grows back. God has made our body. We're, we're wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. What an incredible body we have. He said there's a time to break down and there's a time to build up. Now, tearing down, sometimes, you know, there are times we've got to take the old building down because it's dilapidated. It's not structurally sound anymore. So we have to make that down. But there's a time also to build back up. There are times of where we tear things down and build things up and everything in between. There is an appointed time. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh 
and liken to it, there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's the opposite ends of weeping and laughing, the opposite ends of mourning, which is to just uh, grieve and just be so rejoicing that your feet are moving. I'm telling you, there are things that happen to these two extremes are all the things in between of the human emotions. And these human emotions between these extremes remind us that our life is filled with a lot of things, sad and happy, glad and joyful to sorrow. And there are laughters and there are tears. And you can have joy in one event and tears in another. And I love that verse that says, hold on, you know, their joy comes in the morning. Tears may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Tears, uh, mourning at the loss of a loved one. Mourning as you watch a loved one go through a hard place, but yet rejoicing when things come back together again. Then we look and we see a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. Some projects require us clearing the stones from the land, getting, like getting a land ready to plant or clearing a lot for a building. And others require the gathering of stones together for building a house or a wall. Both are an experience of life, a time that God has given. He talks about there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Now we look at there are certain times when it's appropriate to display affection for others, and there are other times when it's inappropriate to do so. We actually see that in our country today. It's on the news a lot when things are inappropriate and uh, the appropriateness of it. And certainly uh, in our loved ones and our families, those kind of things, we have that and all the things in between. A time to get and a time to lose. This is just part of the cycle of life. You know, you get a job, you lose a job. You, you get uh, you, you, your finances in order, you gain, you have bonuses, you, things go well, you sell things and things are up. Then all of a sudden you, you lose uh, some income or something breaks down. You have a job and things are well. You don't have a job and things are not well. The economy fluctuates and you end up having to pay more for things. Your electricity bill goes up, but you didn't get a raise. Ups and downs, everything in between of these things. A time to get and a time to lose and everything in between. A time to keep and a time to cast away. Here we're looking at a time to keep and a time to cast away. When you look at the word a time to keep, that's a time to observe. There's a time to, to listen, to observe, to, to search out something, to, uh, to find something, a time to, just, to time to just keep that, guard, observe that, and a time to lose. There's a time to get rid of things that don't belong in you. You don't need to keep them in your heart. There are times when you need to keep quiet. And there's times when you need to speak up. These are the things that we need to do. There's a time to cast away and there is a uh, time to keep a time to get a time to lose a time to keep a time to cast away all dealing with time then watch this there's a time to rend 
and there's a time to sow. The idea of the word rend has everything to do with to tear away. And there's a time to sew it back up. There's a time to rend, and there is a time to sew. There's time to sew or mend new garments, and there are times when they are just not worth it. They need to be cut into strips and rags and used for something else. I've kept shirts that I shouldn't have kept as long as I did. They were falling apart. I just love the feel of them, holes in them, and everything else, much to the irritation of my mom, who eventually would strip it into rags. That's exactly what she did. There's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Boy, I tell you what, that's one of the most difficult things in life to learn, isn't it? When it is, you ought to keep quiet. When it is, you ought to open your mouth. I think it's one of the hardest lessons in life to learn, and James really dealt with it in the book of James when he was talking about the tongue, and he was talking about the things the tongue can do. If you look at the, the six illustrations, two of them deal with the ability of the tongue to direct for good or for bad. The tongue can give great direction or bad direction. And then you look at the next two, the tongue can destroy. It can literally destroy people. But then the last two, the tongue can delight, knowing when to speak up and when not to speak and what to say when you speak. Sometimes the Bible talks about behaving and listening in quietness, in silence. And we can learn a lot when we are silent at his feet, when we come before him and say, I absolutely want to have you. There is a time that we need to keep quiet and a time to speak up and all that's in between. A time to love and a time to hate. Now, evil abounds in this crazy world. This world is the way it is because of sin. And the whole creation groans to be lifted from that sin-cursed, horrible world. It can't wait for that to happen. And for we find ourselves in a world of sin. We need to hate sin and love sinners. We need to hate unrighteousness, but we need to love those who are unrighteous. We need to have that be uh, that righteous indignation, uh, uh, be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Hate the evil, the Bible says, and love the good, and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph in Amos 5.15. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the flower of mouth do I hate. The Lord made that very, very clear. The Bible says, ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. There is that which we are to love and that which we are to hate. And there's a time to love people. There's a time to hate things. There's a time of war and there's a time of peace. We have always had wars and rumors of wars. But there's in our country, we have seen war and come and go. We've seen peace have a, a some time and then we've seen when it's not we see these things these couplets and they are all together there we see them now in this totality of life Solomon says it's all been ordered it's all been appointed there's a purpose God has everything purposed 
But then he turns right around in verse 9 and leaves this premise of truth that he has stated and goes back to where he was at the beginning, looking at all these things through the wisdom that God had given him. He said, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? He says, What profit is there who continually rots and works hard in that which he continually labors? tasks in, continually works for, as in in the labor and toil of life. He said in verse 10, I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He now transcends and he says, not only is there a time for everything, but there's toil in everything. And as I look at God ordering time and then ordering toil, I've looked at it and said, and what profit is there? And the implied answer is none. It's, an, it's one of those rhetorical questions that has an implied answer. What profit is there? The answer is none. There is no value in a person's work under the sun, wherewith he laboreth on his own. I have seen, the verse 10, the travail which God hath given to the sons of men, to be exercised in it. So what he's saying here is, uh, I've watched this. What benefit is there? What profit remains when I've seen the labor and the exertion and the miserable things that go on and, and which God has given to the sons of men, which they ought to exercise and busy themselves, meaning God has given us things, but unfortunately, we're not enjoying them because I've seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. I've observed that people are under this burden. They keep occupied, but they haven't got the God of that occupation. They have the occupation of God. God is in control, but they don't have the God of the occupation. That is sad. They do not have the eternity of that which is there. In fact, he says that and makes that very, very clear in verse 11. He hath made all things beautiful in his time and also has set the world in their heart. That world, word world there literally means the unseeable everlasting, the vanishing point, that which is out of range. He said, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. People have a longing to know God but they do not always experience the works of God from beginning to end. They cannot know the entire sovereign, eternal plan of God. One day we will, that are Christian. Human labor is profitless because they totally ignore God's eternal plan. That's what Solomon is basically saying. He's saying he hath made everything beautiful in his time. He's got eternity, and he sets that in their heart, but they do not yield to that eternal view of things so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. What a horrible statement. What a horrible conclusion. He has got an incredible problem here, but he's still not able to see it all because he says in verse number 12 and 13, I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. The first thing he is, I've concluded something here. There's nothing better for people than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live because that's it. You're done if you don't have God's eternal view point. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. 
Solomon indicated that the ability to enjoy life really is a gift that comes from God. There's no other place that it can come from. Now, that's interesting because he's making a statement now that's going to render this whole thing, why, do you, why are you battling this? Solomon says, I know, verse 14, that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it that men should fear before him. He said, I know whatever God does will endure forever. I know God doesn't do anything halfway. You don't have to add to anything God does. You don't have to take away from anything God does. It's perfect. God has made it this way, and he did it the way he did it because he wants men to fear him. He wants them to fear before him. He wants them to reverence him and to love him and to enjoy him and be afraid of him if they're not going to get right. He said in verse 15, that which he hath, which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and require, God requireth that which is past. He said, whatever is existing now has always been. Whatever will be has already been. Whatever we haven't don't know yet, when we see it, it's already been. God made it. And for God will seek to do again what he's already done in the past. Solomon comes to these conclusions that, that just doesn't fit the toils of life. There are too many things that he cannot put together because they do not make sense to him. That which is now and that which has ready to be been, has already been, this shows the immutability of God. This shows that everything that God does does not change. I'm the Lord God. I change not. There's an immutability situation here. And he's saying, listen, God has it all set in space, yet under the sun, it makes no sense. Solomon is going to get to that at the end of the book, and he's going to come back to that full circle of you fear God and keep his commandments. But right now, he's struggling back and forth between the godly wisdom he started with and the human wisdom he's been running with for a very long time. And I will promise you, God has a time for everything and all the things in between. There is his seasons of time, and if you're in tears he that soweth in tears shall reap with joy. If there is a time of crying, joy comes in the morning. But hang on. See life under the S-O-N. Do not see life under the S-U-N. Or like Solomon, you will say it's vanity, empty and meaningless, and vexation of spirit. It's like grasping the wind. You can't get hold of it. It doesn't work. Solomon said some great things here. But he still is struggling with the tor between the flesh and the spirit. And my friend, there is a battle the Bible talks about between the flesh and the spirit. You see it in Galatians. You see it in Romans chapter 8. And we must yield ourselves to the spirit. We must feed the spirit. And we must stay away from the flesh and starve the flesh so that it dies out. And we can live spiritually for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you'll encourage us to see it clearly through the timetable of your time and your season and not our wisdom of thinking. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. This is Pastor Walton, and I'm praying that you have an absolutely wonderful, awesome week. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word.
what he said he would do. How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through. I believe every word. You have been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.